Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Me. I'm Corinne. Actually, I didn't like the way I did that. Can I do that one again? <laughs> Can I take that again? Okay. Yeah, go okay. ahead. <clears throat> Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is Fucking Killing Me. I'm Corinne. I'm Rainy. I liked that. That was good. Thank you. Sometimes I, I got to retake it. Depending yeah. On I'm feeling. You switch it up, you know? You're feeling yeah. rested, so you attacked it. I do guys. I like, <laughs> I was just telling Corinne, I feel like I woke up from a year long coma this morning. It was like one of the deepest, I was dreaming like crazy. I was just like in the deepest sleep. I think I was in a different metaverse. I don't know what was going on, but <laughs> I feel very crazy today. Like it was a, it was, you know, when you have like a good sleep, it was like a deep sleep that you just recognize. You're like, what the fuck was that? You know? Wow. Anyway. Did nothing different. Did nothing different. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, on that though, how are we all doing today? I'm doing good. Um, this comes out on February, Tuesday, February 1st. So hopefully things are staying open for a while and we're not groundhogging day of March. Of Do not year. put that out into the universe. That's your second time saying that this morning. And I'm going to reach through the screen <laughs> <laughs> and give that little pink head of hair of yours a little knock. <laughs> okay, I won't say it anymore. Yes, don't put that out to the universe. Guys, we're going to be open. It's going to be fine. Yep. Knock on wood. Things are going to progress in an upward fashion from here on out. Yes, summer 2022. Is it? This is our year. <laughs> this is our year, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> uh we're wondering if you guys have heard about this Joe Rogan, Neil Young shenanigans. I think it was first reported yesterday. We're recording uh, this on Thursday. The Wednesday, the 26th is the first I heard of it. Yeah. I heard some Twitter stuff about it. So Neil Young, uh, who I hope you know who Neil Young is. If you don't, you should probably look him up because it's like a very famous, very, very important pinnacle figure in Canadian music. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> if you don't know who Neil Young is, do you also hate Canada? <laughs> he said he is going to remove all of his music from Spotify if Spotify doesn't do something to correct the misinformation that the Joe Rogan experience is putting forth. Because if you know anything about Joe Rogan, he'll talk to anybody and everybody and he doesn't really question people. He just lets them spout their nonsense. And, and he you also know Corinne, nonsense. If you know Corinne, you know she's a Joe Rogan bro. I'm not a Joe Rogan bro. I just, for some reason, got really into it. And now it's hard to stop. <laughs> Let me tell you, me and Corinne's partner, Rob, have been dragging Corinne for being a Joe Rogan bro since the <laughs> summer. You know what? If that is my one red flag, that is my one red flag. And that's fine. <laughs> as long as you're okay with it. I'm okay with it. Sometimes he has really interesting people on and really interesting conversations. And most of the time it's garbage, but I started skipping the garbage and only listening to people I'm interested in. Right. So what did, what did Spotify do in response to that? Nothing that I've heard. They haven't. I thought they did remove all of Neil Young music. Oh, I don't, ooh, let me check right now. So I didn't think they did, did anything because I just like looked at um, Spotify, but they pulled all of his own albums and original music and the only stuff that you can find is stuff on soundtracks. Like he pray love music is on here. Right. Um, yeah. Wow. So they pulled like, his music, but then there's also like, what about all of the playlists? He is on soft rock. I guess unless he's collabed with people. Wow. So Joe Rogan, Which like, okay, let's so much money that they don't give a fuck. 
Oh, exactly. Well, how much was that contract that Joe Rogan signed with them? $100 million over 10 years. And there's no way they can cease and desist that. Um, I don't, I just like, I'm sure it's like they bought the podcast for like hundred million dollars over 10 years, but I'm sure like the ad revenue and the constant traffic that he drives to the app into the, into the platform in general is worth so much money that they're just like, cool, get out of here. Yeah. Like you, but it is interesting. Like they didn't even Canadian artist. (laughs) You boho Canadian artist. (laughs) Jesus Christ. You know what I mean though? I'm just like the amount of traffic that he's driving just in general, which is like ad revenue and but it's just interesting to me that they responded. It's interesting also so quickly. They didn't, they didn't have to respond, by the way. They could have like just not responded. They could have not pulled Neil Young's music. They could have not done any of that and not made people angry. Like half people wouldn't even fucking know about this. But because they pulled it now, it's like a story. Could they have not responded? Or would he just have driven more media? Like, because he released the statement himself. Like if they didn't respond, he would continue to like be like, what's going on here? Like I don't, you have no longer the permission to use my music, take it off. Right? Yeah. But that, but then that's of his choosing for Spotify to just take it off is it feels a little bit like, no, but it's still of his choosing. Cause he asked them to, he's like either Joe Rogan or me. Oh, I didn't realize that that I thought he was just like, if they continue to do this, then I'll take pull my music. And they hadn't responded. No, I thought he was like, he gave them an ultimatum. He was like, you need to start censoring this misinformation or I'm going to like ask you to remove all my music. Yeah. And he's calling on other artists to do the same thing yeah yeah i mean which just like begs the like interesting question of like what responsibility do platforms have yeah you know it's like youtube censorship or demonetizing like what mm-hmm. kind of responsibilities does a company that just like basically is an open platform to put whatever you want where is it right yeah which I'm sure someone that works in like PR and marketing can answer this question a little bit better because I'm sure it's changed over the last couple of years. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Someone tell us what they should do. <laughs> do, 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 do. Hello, PR, PR world. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as I know, just from listening to Joe Rogan talk about it, the deal was that they were not allowed to interfere with his show. Like he's like, it's coming as is. You have like hands off Mm -hmm. and that's how it's been since. And I'm sure that because he drives in so much revenue and so much listenership to the platform itself, that they are, they continue to do that. Yeah. And just so people are aware, if you don't know, Joe Rogan has been spreading misinformation about a vaccine, right? Uh, Just think about like everything in general, because he kind of doesn't like, he doesn't really read both sides. He's a little bit on from I mean there's also like rumors that he's vaccinated but he's like not telling anybody because that would like isolate a big uh part of his listener base right yeah but like I think what's just like the most infuriating thing of him about COVID is that he keeps letting kind of like nut jobs about the whole COVID thing onto his podcast and then he's like really hard and critical on the other side of people that deal with COVID you know where they're like yes you should get vaccinated here's all the reasons why and then he's really critical of those people. And then the people that are like, the COVID is vaccine is bad for children. He's like, oh my God, I know. Like, why would you vaccinate your children? And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, vaccinate your children, please. <laughs> yes. We're yeah, pro-vaccine, vaccinate your children. So it's just like that's yeah. the infuriating part to me. Yeah. Where he literally had someone on that was like, he's like, well, the myocarditis rate in young boys is worse in the vaccine than it is getting COVID. And they're like, no, it's not. And he's like, yes, it is. They're like, 
it's literally not Joe. And they're like, I don't believe you. And then they pulled up like multiple articles where it's like 10 times higher if right. a young boy between the ages of like 12 and 16 gets COVID that their rate of myocarditis, which is like uh, heart inflammation, I think. Yeah. Um, is if you get COVID versus the vaccine, like it does happen in that age range in the vaccine, but it's like 10 times higher if you get COVID and also right. worse. Like um, he was like, wow, well, where are we getting this from? <laughs> and I was just like, literally every scientific thing about myocarditis and the vaccine has said this all of like, okay, UFC Joe, <laughs> exactly. fear let factor, put, bro. Let me put your, <laughs> your degrees on the wall and all the research you've done in these past few years in the ring. And we'll have a conversation. Oh yeah. So it's just like stuff like that. That's infuriating to me when he has like really really amazing like doctors and people that are well known for their research and stuff and he like is so much more critical of them and then he is of like the fucking conspiracy theorists like he had this the one that like sparked the debate that is like really bad the most recent guest that was just like the big deal about this is dr robert malone md <sighs> and he is like claimed to be one of the inventors of um, the RNA, the mrna vaccine which is the current like most the best COVID vaccines are available right now, which is like not true. It's like, it was like a woman and a team of scientists that invented the COVID vaccine or the mRNA technology. Mm-hmm. And he was like spouting so much mis- like crazy misinformation about like, I don't think you should vaccinate your kids and like all this crazy kind of stuff, which is, which just like right up Joe's alley and everybody was like, whoa. And he's been kind of like taken off a lot of this like doctors been taken a lot off of platforms too and he was like oh it's just like fear mongering blah blah blah. and I was like or you're just like being you're a crazy person yeah and you're like do you think this is all like a conspiracy like big big pharma you know I don't know like I think I think both things can exist in the same world like yes these vaccines are life-saving and vaccine equity is like really important and we need to vaccinate everybody and boosters will be a thing Mm -hmm. that is true but at the same time, the other thing that's true is that these companies are going to make a lot of money because the need for them is high. Like yeah. those, those of those things can be exist. And just because a company is making a lot of money doesn't mean that they're doing harm. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. They could be giving those patents away and they're, it could be like more equitable, but right. just because they're making money off of it doesn't mean, I don't know. There's just like these two things can exist at the same time. A company right. can be making money and the vaccines can be good and working at the same time. Right. You know, and one doesn't have to exist without the other. And so like he was spouting, he's like, why wouldn't we, why aren't they just giving these away? You know, it's just like, well, because that's not how capitalism works. Yeah. It's a US fucking company, you loser. Yeah. I think that, yeah, there's something to be said too about the boosters and pushing the boosters up and, and people getting the boosters faster. So they're going to need it faster. And like the idea of like the fear with Omicron too, I think there is something there. But I think you just need to make like an appropriate decision for yourself about like, about boosters. And like, I mean, obviously we're all going to need to get boosted and revaccinated because this is a thing and we don't want to go back to this, but also like make the decision for yourself. If you feel like unsafe and you want to get boosted and you're okay, putting that, putting another, getting your booster earlier then do it. If you feel like you can wait and do that, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Do you work from home? Do you have the option of like letting the vaccines go to people that need them faster then that's also an appropriate choice for you totally spotify getting involved in the joe rogan <laughs> neil young debacle <sighs> they've just like they've just like picked a side obviously which is yeah. like the side of we're gonna just like keep our highest earner here i mean yeah yeah like what else can a pla- like 
and I'm not like picking a side either. And I'm not like on Joe I also don't blame, I'm not on Rogan's side, but I also don't blame Spotify for being like, we've invested a large sum of money into this person. And we're going to throw that all away for an artist whose music may be iconic. Yeah. But he's offering to take his music off. So let's just take it off. He's already offering and let's keep our highest earner. He's made the decision. All right. That's fine with us. Yeah. (laughs) We're not going to, we're not going to fight you fight you if you want it off this platform take it off this platform you have the right totally you own, it. You own your music totally you know it's um, crazy there's just yeah i don't want to get too deep into the vaccine stuff <laughs> it's just like so nuanced and it's like a conversation that we could have forever you know and i am just tired of having that conversation forever yeah i know we yeah but yeah sometimes conversations just get <sighs> overdone yeah and the conversation around, especially like vaccine is like, it just needs to be, it, it needs to be equitable is the issue. And it hasn't been really because first world countries are now going on to third and fourth boosters. And there are large parts of the world that haven't had second shots. And that's, yeah. and you know what, that's, if we're going to unequitably vaccinate the world, then there's going to continue to be variants and stuff like that. So it's also food for thought. It is. It is. Yeah, let us know what you think about the Joe Rogan, Neil Young feud of 2022. (laughs) Feud of 2022. Uh, Or in just like more general terms, like what kind of responsibilities do platforms have to monitor content, you know? Totally. This week we have Emily. Emily May Rose. Emily May Rose. Iconic Toronto muralist i guarantee you have seen her you've seen her work in the city i guarantee it go check her out she has these amazing amazing um murals they're all of like the raccoons yes um very cartoony very cartoony yeah they're super fun we've been trying to get her on forever so we're super super thankful that we were finally able to get her on it's so funny she's like i think the first email i got from you guys was a 2018 i was like yes yeah (laughs) and i think we we, i don't know if we talk about it actually like on uh while we're recording but like it's because in 2018 i moved into this house yes and um one of her murals is right on the side of a building that I live like right near. So I walk by it every day when I get to the train. Yeah. Um, so we probably emailed her after that. Yeah. Very shortly. I think you yeah. added her to our list and you were like this person and like <laughs> pointed it out when we walked by it one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're super excited to talk to her. Um, go check out her stuff and uh, let's get going. Here we go. My name is Emily May Rose and I am a Toronto based artist and illustrator. I have so many questions because your work is so specific or the work that I'm familiar with is so specific. And I would say almost like, um, like iconic in Toronto because of like, you really see it all over the place. How long did it take you to come up with that? Like signature, the, the signature, your signature, I guess. Style, like signature style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Finding my style was kind of like a funny thing. I, uh, when I was in, oh my God, like grade nine or something, um, I was drawing these bunnies on like, just like on like, you know, the margins of my notebooks or like on my desk or something. I was really into art. I've always been really into art, but it wasn't like my art. It was just like this stupid little character that I would put places. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it just stuck. I I always did it. Uh, I ended up going to OCAD. Like, none of my portfolio had, like, this bunny in it. 
Um, and then uh, when I was in second year at OCA, I had a project in Gary Tax Alley's class and it was like really open-ended. Um, and I did like tons of reps for I was working on them with my friend. And I was like, honestly, like, or I think he said, he was like, he was like you just do a page of bunnies. Cause I'm just like doodling bunnies on the side when I'm working on like my serious artwork. And I was like, yeah, that's hilarious. I'm going to do it. And um, I did it and I, I thought it was a joke and uh, my teacher loved it. So I did it as my final and like, it, it was a cool piece. <laughs> and uh, it ended up like winning awards. And like, it was like my most successful illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of like, oh, cool. Like my, uh, it's this stupid bunny that I've always drawn. Like <laughs> this kind of like little cartoon style, like let's roll with that. So it was sort of like, okay, if this bunny looks like this, like what does like a fox look like in that world? What does like a deer look like in that world? I'm drawing all these animals. And then my work sort of took a more like urban theme um, because I I live in the city now. (laughs) And uh, so like raccoons just sort of made sense and the raccoons just kind of stuck because like they're hilarious. It's Toronto. Um, They're everywhere. It's Toronto, yeah. Um, the people love them. I give the people what they want. And uh, <laughs> so it, it, yeah, it just kind of grew from there. It was like, okay, like, you know, this kind of like really smooth, cartoony style, like, you know, what do buildings look like in this world? What do trees look like in this world? What do people look like in this world? And like, that sort of built like my sort of like visual language that I use. Um, but yeah, it was all just because of like a joke. Like it was, I did not mean, I don't know. It was, it was cool. I was trying really hard to like figure out my style and I'm trying out all these different mediums and techniques and like drawing styles and everything. And then it turned out that my style all along was like this stupid bunny that I was drawing in my <laughs> notebooks in high school. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And then it kind of became like iconic because of, I think like, all of Toronto identifies, self-identifies with the raccoon. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> identifies with the raccoon. Yeah. It's funny. They get up to mischief. Like Yeah. They look like little bandits all the time and they like love trash. It's like yeah. <laughs> and like a lot of people like hate the raccoon, which is like just as funny to me. Um, really? Like they Yeah, hate- like I'll be like well like homeowners and stuff, you know, that have like garbage cans <laughs> like <laughs> raccoons. Right. And like they always want to tell me about it. Like I'm like <laughs> like, like you're the raccoon whisperer. <laughs> yeah, like I'm like some queen of the queen something. of the raccoons. <laughs> like, I don't know them, but okay. And they'll like come up to you. I'll like be painting a mural and people will come up to me and be like, let me tell you about this raccoon in my trash can. I was like, okay. <laughs> Like, sir, it is Wednesday and I'm trying to do some work yeah. here. These aren't real raccoons. They're blue. Like, relax. <laughs> How it, it's been super interesting because we've been talking to people. I know you do more than, than just like the murals on the side of the building as well, but we've been talking to a lot of people who have been, who are, that is like their main medium. Um, what is your opinion on like, like when you do these murals, do you get commissioned to do them or are you, um, are you kind of like, does it depend? Does the scenario depend on when they go on walls and when they don't? Like, am I getting commissioned or am I painting them illegally? Yes, yes. I guess. That's the question. <laughs> Is that a big question? No, it's not. It's funny. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, I would never get away with painting 
into like a massive new site Dundas Square if it wasn't right. commissioned. Um, right. <laughs> every time some every time I paid someone comes up and like, did you get permission? I'm like, imagine I didn't. Like that'd be amazing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Permission. <laughs> they're, they're commissioned pieces. Yeah. Well, we were, oh, we were interviewing um, someone the other day, and they were talking about how there's like this whole when it comes to that, there's this like whole like moral almost like guidelines that people follow. Corinne, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think that person that you're thinking about is like more in like a traditional, also comes from doing graffiti in like mm-hmm. an underground illegal sense, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's like a code of ethics of like when you paint over or like you don't paint over something, where you paint, how you paint, how you tag things, like that kind of thing. But that person like has a mm-hmm. background of like, doing everything illegally I think right yeah <laughs> I mean all of that like kind of goes hand in hand in like murals and street art and graffiti mm-hmm. um like I I have like the, the most respect for graffiti I love graffiti um mm-hmm. so like I don't know it's kind of like a weird tension point in the city like street yeah, art totally. versus graffiti um which is just sort of like funny to me because like all of my friends do graffiti so I love graffiti mm-hmm. um I don't generally have an issue with my murals because like, I feel like people know that I, you know, there's like a mutual respect there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think every street artist has that. And I think like, that's just detrimental to them. I will try to teach them when I can, but, um, and uh, it's also like, I don't know, I find it's like a North American thing to like pit graffiti and street art against each other. Like totally, the city of Toronto kind of did it um, like, it was like oh street art is to like combat graffiti and so like they kind of pit us against each other right where like I've traveled I painted all over the world and like everywhere else it's like oh you spray paint like I spray paint too we're friends automatically that's cool Mm -hmm. right it's like oh do you do letters or characters either is cool um but Mm -hmm. like I don't know I feel like here just just because of like the way that street art is used to like get rid of graffiti um like you know street art had no chance like of course people are like graffiti writers are going to hate it and street artists are going to hate graffiti writers because they're going to take their walls back Mm -hmm. um but like that was just kind of yeah because we're putting like this weird sort of like versus situation that is totally unnecessary and does not exist in every city right totally um like i i know that if i'm like i'm getting a wall and it has graffiti on it already then like I can't just go paint a mural on it and expect it to be like chill and stay, right? Um, I wouldn't do that. I have too much respect for like the graffiti that's on it. Yeah. And uh, so like I'll reach out to someone and be like, hey, they want me to paint this wall. Like, you know, can I give you some paint or like, can I show you it? Like, can I, Mm -hmm. can we make this cool, you know? Um, But, uh, and like, yeah, there's certain stuff that like I would just say no. It's like, oh, we want to pay you however much money to paint this wall I'm like I can't like there's no way wow. I can paint that in good conscience you know wow um, yeah it's like I don't know. yeah yeah it almost feels like it's we talk about this all the time with like public art in Toronto is that there's acceptable public art and then there's unacceptable public art and it almost feels like whatever the safest option is for the city to like still be cool but not like so cool that it's like being progressive they're gonna like opt for that option. And it's almost a sure, little bit yeah. like classes, like all, oh, we're not gonna like let graffiti artists like do their work. We're not gonna search those people out and commission them or like give them more space to like 
really show the urban side of the city we're gonna like pick something else mm, and just I like mean, not another, care what they yeah, put over like another thing with like the city is like they also do kind of do that like a lot of graffiti writers get hired oh, do they? by by the city to do like you know pieces in like laneways and stuff like that um mm. like a lot of really good ones and uh so like that's like that's kind of the funny thing it's like yeah like when the city sort of put in this program they're sort of like pitting street art graffiti against each other mm-hmm. but then the actual people that run that program are like amazing like they are right. like they hire graffiti writers right they like understand graffiti um which is cool right um <clears throat> cool yeah like a lot of people are like oh you have to do like you know flowery community-based stuff like no not all the time like I've seen some like really sick graffiti work that are in like street art Toronto lanes and stuff like that mm-hmm. that's sweet how long did it because you started off at OCAD um like not doing graffiti how long did it take you to kind of like get an understanding of that world uh, I mean I've always loved graffiti like I would go yeah. like hang out under bridges in my hometown um and uh try I hated spray paint I was so bad at it like I I didn't think you could be good at it um you know I followed graffiti on like the internet um but uh I remember like being like 14 or something and um getting my mom to buy me spray paint (laughs) and uh I was so bad like I cried I was so bad at it um I don't know if I cried but I was upset like and uh and I just was like, oh, like, I'm just bad at this. This is not my medium and I'm bad at it. And like, aerosol looks bad. Um, but like, I'm using like, Rust-Oleum in like, brown, because that's all we had, <laughs> like the hardware <laughs> store in my hometown. And uh, so I just was like, okay, well, we'll deal with it. you know, we have enough of that. Um, and uh, I, try- I tried really hard. And then, um, by the time I was in OCAD and then I started doing like murals and stuff like that like still heavily following graffiti I still love it and um but like it was like kind of beyond me I'm like this hard right um mm-hmm. and then I started doing walls with like you know latex paint like uh brushes and everything and um it takes forever to do work yeah. with a brush especially like the work that I do like it's just like your work is like huge I see like I I see one of your works every day because it's like right here I like live right near Halo Brewery oh yeah like right there and I'm like that one's huge and I feel like that's even like a smaller one I feel like I've seen your work that's like literally takes yeah. a huge building um, <laughs> and like that one's a funny one because like that wall is actually my first wall using spray paint wow. um, oh really wow yeah because I lied uh because <laughs> like, like all my friends were like oh like why don't you just spray paint it you'll be so much faster and I was like no spray paint has like this like fuzzy aerosol look like my work's like super crisp and clean and they're like yeah it's just because you're bad at it and I was like <laughs> oh okay um and I'm super competitive right so I was like well fuck you I'm gonna get really good at it then um so the like Halo Brewery like approached me to do that mural and I was like, yeah, like, you know, this is going to be like my biggest one yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I work in spray paint, whatever. We'll get the city on board. We'll do like this, like street art support one. They pay for materials. Um, and so I was like, yeah, I need like however much spray paint. Like luckily, like everyone around me could help me, you know, figure out how much spray paint I need and stuff like that. And uh, 
I was like, yeah, how hard could it be? (laughs) (laughs) They can do it. I can do it. Um, And uh, the first day I was painting there, like, it has, like, these, like, houses on it that are just, like, straight lines that are, like, as tall as me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I was trying so hard. And I was like, what have I done? Like, (laughs) what have I gotten myself into? Um, But, like, luckily, like, I had, like, friends of mine, like, guy I was dating at the time like all of them spray painted I'm just calling them like I can't do I don't know what I'm doing and they're like I'm just like and they're giving me tips like you know like lock your shoulder use your whole body you know paint with your whole arm and I'm like okay we'll figure it out and then by the end of it like it's still to date one of my cleanest murals. oh (laughs) I love it um like I love I love it (laughs) but uh yeah like I tears got me through that mural but um since then I didn't use anything else you know like I met the mural after that it was even bigger and I, I will just hire some assistants to help me out right. so I hired like all the best painters that I knew all the best spray painters mm-hmm. and uh so they came with me and, and so it's like I basically got like a class from like some of my favorite artists on how to paint my own work in spray paint <laughs> um so they're helping me mm-hmm. and then uh and yeah, like, I don't know, it was really, it's really like with any other medium, like mm-hmm. practice makes perfect. Um, I dove very headfirst into it uh, with two of my biggest walls. And um, now like, I can't imagine using brush paint. I hate it. I will charge double if you make me use brush paint because it'll take me like weeks. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like that would be like a with. very specific client who would, it's almost like mean of them to be like, no, you have to use brush paint on this wall. <laughs> Sometimes like, if it's like inside and there's yeah. going to be like people in the building and stuff, like right. they have to. Um, it's like dangerous, but, uh, right? To use spray paint inside. Yeah. 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 Like I, I'll be fine. Like I'll use like my respirator. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I'm like, I know like, yeah, if you feel woozy, go step outside for a bit, but I don't want to subject anyone else to that. Yeah. Right. Speaking about like the respirator and the conditions of like, obviously when you're doing work that's outside, how have you ever had any close calls with it? Cause you have to get pretty high on ladders sometimes like the weather I'm permitting, I'm sure can mm-hmm. be a little bit temperamental with the paint. I don't know. Um, like the, I won't paint in like, I'm a baby. <laughs> like I won't really paint below 10 degrees and I'm like, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I see friends that paint like a little closer to freezing point. The paint won't work, right? If it's too cold, the paint won't stick to the wall. Yeah. Um, like if it's raining sometimes, I'll like be like trying to stick it out. I'm like, oh, it's just spitting. It'll be fine. And like, I can watch the walls getting wet and the paint's not sticking to it. Like stuff like mm-hmm. that is like, I don't know. I'll stop before it becomes like an issue. Um, but like anything with like, like heights or anything like that, like I'm fine. I'm like the least scared of heights and and very comfortable up high. So yeah, that's always been fine for me. Yeah. I would be more scared if I was like in a public setting, like on a ladder with no one holding it. I think that would be like my, my fear. Yeah. I don't think I've ever like been super high up in public on a ladder. Okay. Like, uh, <clears throat> like usually like the taller ones, like I'll have a scissor lift for it. Oh, okay. And like, that's a little more chill. Uh, <clears throat> I think like the hardest one I did was that one, like 
near Young and Bath Square just because like there's like a lot of people there um, yeah and everyone everyone wants to talk and like um and you're like I'm trying to get work done <laughs> yeah. yeah and like I was just gonna paint it by myself and I was kind of like around the corner from everyone else that was painting and like when I got there my friend was like no do you have like can you call someone to like hang out with you like you're not gonna be able to handle this yeah. by yourself so I got my friend to come and like just stand with me you know be on the scissor with me make sure all my paint is like right yeah. with us um because there was just so many people around uh but yeah like usually I'm not on a ladder I they hurt my feet you know like, <laughs> for, like smaller stuff yes um what like how much do you think about the idea of like like you use a respirator and it is aerosol paint. Do you ever get concerned about like the health aspect of it in the future? Uh, yeah, no, totally. Um, I, yeah, I all the time. should, yeah, no, I, <laughs> um, I try to use my respirator. I, I should be using it more often. Um, like usually I'll be like, oh, I'm outside, it's hot, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but it's to the point now, like, especially in the summer, like I'm painting like, almost every day uh wow. like that that could catch up to me you know like I'm I'm 28 now but like I would like to do this for a really long time mm -hmm. um like when I was like my earlier 20s like whatever like every once in a while I'm outside I'll be fine but like I do notice like when I meet like people that have been painting and they're like in you know decades into their career like they always use respirators because they paint all the time mm -hmm. and I'm like oh I I want to paint all that. I want to be an artist that paints all the time. I should be using my respirator, you know? Like, <laughs> it's, it's cool to be safe. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like, I always kind of was like, I don't know, once I got to school and like realized like, I don't know, I, I did like a much art education before OCAD. Like I had like my high school art class, but I didn't, I didn't learn much about like materials really. Um, and uh, like, I didn't really, like I was like, doing like sharpieing all over my arms and stuff like that and I got to Oka and I'm like oh that's really bad for you you know like stuff <laughs> like you shouldn't even have paint on your hands I didn't know that I have paint all over me all the time <laughs> um, but uh yeah so like I try to be more careful and I try to like advocate for it too it's like these materials I use every day are like they can be they can kill you they can give you like a blood disease you know um yeah it's so, surprising like, yeah. to me that like they it, it it's surprising to me that like no one's come out I mean like I guess how would they but like no one's come out with one that could be a little bit more just like equally as good but like would be more healthy it's like such an intro it feels like there's like a, yeah. a hole in the market almost you know well though they've um like spray paint they've they've come out with stuff that's like non-toxic um like there was one uh that was like sugar and alcohol based Hmm. um it was fine it's not the best paint but it's fine yeah I don't know if they make it anymore though I haven't seen it and then like Montana is what I use for everything Montana has like a water-based version but like it's just the nature of like how pigments work how paint works like it can't it can't have the coverage that like the toxic stuff has you know like if <laughs> yeah it's not possible like this there's a reason that they use these toxic chemicals in it because that's the best way to make paint mm -hmm. um so like it exists and I've had to use it like I've done some work that's like um you know indoors with like 
a huge crew of people around me and so like I had to use the indoor paint um and I just like you know did it like <laughs> stop complaining and did it um, but uh it's it's not it's not as good as the toxic stuff yeah <laughs> I'd rather just I'd rather just paint outside and like right use that yeah <laughs> it's like almost like that thing that people always say like anything you love is like never actually like good for you like drugs and alcohol and stuff yeah. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> yeah all the good stuff all the, all the stuff all the stuff I love is bad for me so it's, it's funny. um you talked a little bit in your blurb that you sent us about how you were traveling a lot and you mentioned before about how like you were when you're painting in like South America or other places when you were traveling did you feel like because of the medium it was like necessary for you to go see different places and like put your mark on different places or did you find that it just was something that you were enjoying doing and you wanted to like combine painting and traveling um a bit of both like mm -hmm. I have like a something inside me that wants to like take over the world um so like definitely that I definitely want to leave raccoons all over the world the mm -hmm. first time I went like um abroad I was uh it was South Africa not South America oh sorry and I was well, it's cool I just, I've never been there um but uh, <laughs> in uh like when I got there I was like, like or when I was planning it I was kind of worried about painting raccoons there because I was like they don't have raccoons like are they yeah. gonna get is it, it like the cultural is it gonna be like <laughs> the cultural reference isn't gonna land yeah. maybe yeah because like Toronto gets it you know they get why I paint raccoons they're funny right. and they have them um but like I'm a moron like they know what raccoons are the same way like I know what a, I know what a lion is we don't have them here but I know that um, so I don't know why I doubted that but um but it was cool like they were all like oh the raccoon like right and like I'm like yeah we have them like in Canada we have them all over Toronto and so like it became like this like little piece of like Canadiana or like mm. Toronto Vienna but like it it worked there right like it was like I'm the Toronto artist and I paint raccoons like it makes sense even right. when I'm in other countries um <clears throat> so like it was I just covered South Africa with raccoons it was great it was a great time yeah <laughs> <laughs> have you found that because obviously because of COVID you haven't been able to travel as much so are you are you are you noticing that you're not able to do the thing that, like brings you so much joy that it's had like an impact on your mental health at all Oh, big time, big time. I, um, cause like I got heavily into traveling in 2019. Um, I was, I went on like three, like big trips to three different continents. And like, I, uh, I had a lot of plans to go on more. Mm -hmm. Um, cause like, even like the Africa one was just sort of like, I applied in the middle of the night to like this random residency and I got in wow. and then it just sort of like snowballed from there. I'm like, oh, if I can do that, like, let's try this one. And I got into that one. It's like, okay, like, you know, let's see what we can do here. Um, so I, I had to cancel trips at the beginning of the pandemic that were lined up. Like I wanted to go back to Thailand, but we, that festival got canceled. Like I wanted to go, um, there was another festival in Germany that I was supposed to paint in, but I was too worried about it. it was when they were like locking the border and everyone's like you can't get home so I was like I'm not gonna yeah. it, even though I, I would love to be stuck in Germany but um I probably shouldn't uh so uh, <laughs> I ended up staying here um and now it's like 
I don't know. I mean, I'm starting to apply to just like Canadian festivals or like America maybe. Um, but like I, I miss leaving North America so bad. Um, like I love, I love traveling America. Like it's like there's a lot of really cool cities. Um, but like there's something about like you know like going to like Africa or Europe or Asia where it's like I'm in a different place in the world you know I'm on a different part of the planet and I can feel it like I don't feel that if I go to like Florida you know <laughs> well yeah <laughs> sometimes I feel like I'm in a different place <laughs> <laughs> there's some crazy but, yeah people I miss that yeah totally um I want to like I didn't know that northern contemporary closed its doors during the pandemic. Can we like dive into that a little bit since we're on the pandemic topic? Um, a little bit, cause it makes me sad. Oh. Uh, but um, yeah, we, uh, I mean, Northern Contemporary opened in uh, 2016, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, early 2016. Um, and uh, it was like my baby, you know, like I- Totally. Um, me and uh, my friend Hitoshi Marikami, we, like we started it together after like years of being like oh we should have a gallery together we like the same art and um we uh moved because we the building that we were in it was like it used to be an old gallery in our collective and then Hitoshi and I took it over but my studio had already been there for years and then we were there for like three more years or something and it was the end of 2018 I'm there for two years I don't know early 2019 January we moved to like a bigger building and it was um like super exciting like felt like a big step up like you know um we got like this like adult gallery now the other (laughs) one was really cool too but like we have we have this massive gallery now and uh it like it was it was very cool um and uh the studios were full of just like amazing artists and we were doing like really cool stuff in the gallery. We started to do like bigger events and everything. And then the pandemic hit like a year later. And the thing was like empty and we built like walls. We put in plumbing. Like I know how to build wow. a wall now. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. this like amazing space, right? We had like events and a cafe and the gallery, the studios, photo studio, like, you know, we put in bathrooms. Like we did a lot to this building. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then it was like beginning of 2020. It was like we can't, we can't run it. If like one of the spaces in the in the building was like a 500 capacity venue, like right? Even now we wouldn't have been able to open it yet. Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, it was like this. We can't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our uh, our landlord wasn't really down to help us out and um there was kind of nothing we could do like at the time there was no relief for like any of the businesses um I don't know if like stuff came after but by that time like there, it was like even one month would kill us like there was like this building right. was like massive and expensive mm-hmm. um so it, I don't know in a way like it was kind of the right time because you know if the landlord like was helping us or something we tried to keep it afloat like I would have thrown money at it for years 100 percent. I loved that space um and we put like a lot of like time and love and money into it but um yeah it was like I I would have thrown money at it for another 
I don't know how long are we in now like two years yeah um so instead when <clears throat> when we lost that space we shifted to uh just doing online um so we're still able to like you know be relevant um and like still do stuff with the artists that we worked with um keep a relationship with like collectors and stuff like that and uh, we just do online like print sales um so it's great like we you know it's it's been like super successful all around um I miss like yeah real art on the wall and like having real people come look at it mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I don't know, we'll do, we did some like in-person markets and stuff like that. Like <clears throat> they kind of scratched that itch for me. Um, but we're constantly looking for a new space. Like I can't wait until we can like do in-person gallery stuff again. Mm-hmm. And no- nothing's gonna like replace that feeling of community, you know, mm-hmm. being able to have a physical space to do the thing that you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. You, uh, sorry, Karen, no, go ahead. Sorry. I just have one more. I'm like okay, interested in like how you decided in your like curation process of your gallery. Like what did, how did you, the two of you choose what went into that space before? Um, I mean, when we talked about opening a gallery, like before it, uh, we both like, just like loved illustration and like illustrative work. Um, there's a, I was, it was when I was starting to like go to the States more and like showing galleries in like Philadelphia, New York and like San Francisco and stuff. And there's a lot of galleries down there that they focus on like illustration um, and like illustration as fine art, right? And that, that was like, I don't know, like that doesn't really, have, didn't really happen like the bigger galleries in Toronto. Um, <clears throat> there was some really cool like independent galleries that, you know, they showed that kind of work here. Um, but like a lot of the time, even when I showed in Toronto, like I'm hanging next to like some like large scale abstract work and like, yeah. I have like a <laughs> raccoon smoking a bong. So like, it looks, it looks stupid. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's not, that's not the context that my art was meant to hang in. And uh, so we wanted to do something that was like, that was like illustration focused and like also something that's just like not, not the galleries are pretentious, but like, I feel like people think galleries are pretentious, you know, like, like totally. someone like, like my mom, right. She has no art background. Um, like she would, she wouldn't just go into like a high end art gallery because like, she's shy, right. Like she doesn't, she's worried that she's not going to like get it. Right. Or she'll want to go with me. So like, I can, <clears throat> like, I can like explain work to her and stuff like that. And like, that kind of bums me out, you know, like artwork totally. should be like, just a fun thing like if you look at something and it's cool like it that's it it did its job you know yes um mm-hmm. or like if you like 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 my work like you don't have to get it you know or like, you don't need to like read like an essay to like understand what I'm going for it's like oh this is a raccoon stealing a bike that's funny you know like, <laughs> cool I got it <laughs> and that's it that's you know it was, and um but like if, if I put my mom in like this gallery and she saw like, you know, like a, a paper bag, like stuck to the, I don't know, I'm making something up, but like, or like, you know, a, it's some, some weird like conceptual art. I like conceptual art, but like to her, it's weird, right? And uh, like, she'd be stressed out. She'd be like, I don't. Right. Yeah. I don't understand this. She wouldn't want to go to that gallery opening because she's, 
she's gonna think she's gonna feel stupid right Mm -hmm. Um, totally and like that's there there should be spaces where you can like just go see art and it's like oh that's sick that's a fucking squirrel riding a skateboard dope Mm -hmm. right (laughs) and uh so I I wanted to create a space that like was like very community centered and you know like it showed like not that we didn't show abstract art but like we just showed art that was cool you know <laughs> deserved a spot on gallery walls even if it wasn't like highbrow like conceptual artwork um like I want like the lowbrow art pop art like figurative work like stuff that's just like that everyone's going to enjoy um and no one has to feel like they have to like have an art degree to understand it you know mm-hmm. or like have a good time there mm-hmm. so <clears throat> uh that was kind of like the driving force behind opening northern contemporary um i just wanted to i wanted a room to do weird things i wanted to a room that i could like fill with astroturf and make a sandbox and call it a show and stuff like that <laughs> um <clears throat> or like yeah i don't know we did lots of fun we did lots of fun stuff in there it's <laughs> awesome we're noticing in like in the dance community and in theater spaces we've had so many I mean, like, unfortunately had so many spaces close over the past two years. And it's been interesting in the past couple of months watching them try and like rebuild it. So like other venues try and come up with like open spaces for, for dancers. Are you noticing a huge impact um, in like the visual arts world as well? I mean, we just talked about um, your gallery that unfortunately had to close, but you are switching to like online sales. Are you guys noticing that many in-person galleries are having to close now? Yeah, um, <clears throat> sorry. That's okay. Yes, uh, lots of lots of galleries have been shut down. Um, I mean, like like Black Cat and Hashtag Gallery are two of my favorite spaces in the city, and like they are similar both to us. They lost their spaces kind of early on, mm-hmm. um, and uh, uh, some some studio spaces that I know of. Like I know that they had to shut their doors too. Um, yeah. I don't. I mean there's still galleries like there those spaces still exist I feel like um I don't know I feel like they're getting like extra love as they should um I I was kind of bad for like trying to go to openings but I would you know sometimes I'm like I'm, I don't want to go out but now I'll, like make such a point to get into like any gallery opening because yeah. I'm like ah, we need this like we need these yeah, um or totally. like I'm like you know I I will buy artwork from like their gallery show rather than like I don't know through other avenues because I'm like galleries need to exist these spaces need to happen um mm-hmm. like uh I don't like like crybaby gallery is still up and running that's like a really cool space they show really cool artists like um I did one show with them last year I don't know all the years go together now uh <laughs> yes. but uh like spaces like that are like super important right and like um I know they've got lots of programming and the, oh, the run gallery opened up during the pandemic mm-hmm. um I don't know if they caught like one of those pandemic deals with renting or something but they right. have like a really cool space near Runnymede also does like really cool shows mm-hmm. um I don't know I just feel like any gallery that either like survived or opened is just like so important and like so precious that <laughs> we need to go yeah. to them. um Mm-hmm. and uh but yeah like I don't know it's still like the the thing with like opening a gallery is like a lot of spaces that like 
could have been gap gouge used to be more like in like like warehousey spaces or like bigger mm -hmm. more open spaces industrial buildings and like those just don't exist anymore right like yeah. those aren't for rent anymore they've been they're they're rented for, or they're they're bought by like a, a developer or something they're mm -hmm. about to be a condo right they're not yes they're not able to be rented anymore um so like i don't know i'm like worried to see where, yeah. where galleries in Toronto go like is it only going to be like you know these like sort of, sort of like blue chip higher end galleries that can come in like then where do the emerging artists show right and like or like where like mid-career artists show even yeah um, it also so makes me like think about oh sorry I didn't mean to cut you no, off no, no. um it makes me think about like because obviously what happened the city had like people had to leave right and so a lot of artists mm -hmm. like ventured into smaller communities like it really makes me think that like is the better is it going to switch like is the better scene going to be on these like outside of Toronto because of all these artists had to leave yeah no it's going to be in Hamilton for sure <laughs> yeah so many artists are in Hamilton like what yeah. it's like, it's crazy. Yeah. Hamilton has had the coolest shows like some of like my favorite artists have moved out there some of my favorite like teachers from OCAD live there live there now right yeah. Um, it's close. I grew up right near Hamilton. I love Hamilton. I thought, you know, like, I've considered <laughs> Hamilton. Um, yeah. I just, uh, Toronto's got like a bit of a chokehold on me. And like, I, it's really close to my hometown and mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to move home yet, you know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't think, like, if I was from anywhere else, I probably would have moved to Hamilton by now. Um, I feel like Sudbury too. I feel like I've I've heard lots about like artists going to Sudbury as well right now, and like yeah, yeah it's it's weird, right? Like it's a shift I've never seen before, you know. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, because I feel like when we were growing up, it was so much like if you wanted to do art, you went to like the big cities. You went to like New York or Toronto or Vancouver yeah. or LA, but, like yeah. or LA, yeah, yeah, you know, Chicago even, but it now I feel like it's not like that anymore and maybe it's just because we're getting older so maybe we're like <laughs> contemplating that for like a you know whatever fucking weird life crisis you're ha I'm having in the moment who knows but <laughs> um I, I don't know I think that it there's these things where like now I'm like maybe maybe it's like not the city maybe that's like a young man's game I don't know I like when, when I hear you say that I think about like well where did you get that idea from when you were young tv and yeah. movies Right? right. And now that you're an actual adult with experience, you're like, this is not what TV and told me it would be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a broke. backyard here. <laughs> I'm broke. I don't have, like, my career is not exact. Like, I didn't just move to the city and get found, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's hard work. Yeah. 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 No savings. And now we're two years into a pandemic and they think we can all live off $200 a week. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so crazy. <sighs> Have you, have you been working still a lot, Emily, or have you noticed like a shift in the work? Like as much, is there not as much work now because of the pandemic or are you noticing anything in your field? Um, I mean, in general, I've been super lucky. Like my work has always been really solo and usually outside. Um, mm -hmm. So I feel like at the very beginning, maybe like larger, like bigger clients, like corporate clients sort of slowed down a little bit, picked right back up. Um, like things like, like just like private commissions or like, like uh you know print sales things like that like mm -hmm. um that was like really like that they've been really supportive of me I like was floored by that um I feel like when the uh when the pandemic started everyone was like oh we have to like support local and like support our artists and stuff like that and like they did and it was amazing mm -hmm. um because they still are 
uh, mm -hmm. the corporate stuff, like, yeah, it kind of slowed down at the beginning and then it, it's picked back up too. Like, I don't know, my, it's not like I worked in like an office or like mm -hmm. that I had to be around people. Mm -hmm. um, like, so other than like shifting, the shifting of like my workspace from like Northern mm -hmm. Contemporary to my house, um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> everything else has been like, like I, I had a good year last year for work. Uh, even the year before that was like a pretty good year um it's like you're talking to me right now in January so like it's a little slow um, <laughs> that's just that's just January that's not the pandemic um mm -hmm. so uh yeah I don't know I've been really lucky I've still been getting a good amount of work yeah do you think about because I mean we kind of this is a little bit back to what we kind of started with, but we talked about you have this like iconic, like the characters, the raccoon, like this whole world. Do you have, do you ever think about how you're, would you eventually shift that world? Are you going to like create a new one? Do you want to create a new style? Like what, how committed are you to the style? And are, when do you know you're ready to move on to something different or mm -hmm. if you have? Um, I mean, my style, like I found it so naturally, like yeah. I didn't really build my style like it just kind of was always there um so I don't know like I feel like like to me if I look at work from like like five years ago to now it's like a world of difference to me um whereas like a lot of like most people won't see that most people think it was like yeah that's your work both ways um like even like work that I made like two years ago to now I think is night and day um like to me like I when every time I'm painting like I'm sort of like developing something like a little bit further um I've just kind of like honing it I guess right like mm -hmm. I as I as I go like I, I figure out like better ways to you know portray what's in my head but um <clears throat> I I wouldn't consciously shift my style because that would just feel like not genuine like mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> You know, I guess mm. this is not what I do. Like even people are like, oh, what? are you always going to draw raccoons? I'm like, I don't know. I'm drawing them right now. They're fun, you know? And like, <laughs> and that's what I, that's what I want to draw. That's what I naturally draw. Like if mm -hmm. I was on the phone and like doodling, I'm probably doodling a raccoon. Right? Like that's just what's fun for me. Um, right. And it's working, you know? Like it's yeah. paying the bills. Not going to, why would I stop? Um, but like, I wouldn't do anything that's not fun. If for some reason it became like, some kind of weird burden like I wouldn't do it I, I draw other stuff you know mm -hmm. um but it hasn't happened yet so mm -hmm. great and I mean it was so interesting hearing you talk about how like the world is created and like so like the way that the raccoon would look versus like how a bunny would look or a house or a tiger or you know whatever it may be there's so much possibility in that world also that's not just raccoons if you wanted to switch like mm -hmm. there's you know there's um, yeah it's just interesting yeah. no that's the thing too is like if people are like oh like can you draw like this thing I'm like yeah I can draw anything yeah. <laughs> it's, it's gonna look the same as my raccoons but like yeah. I can draw like you know I can draw people I can draw like, <laughs> things and places um mm -hmm. but uh, you know, I, I, yeah I think it's like the style versus like imagery thing um mm -hmm. I had a teacher that always told us she was like oh like have a diverse like I'm at, like diverse imagery in your portfolio because clients are stupid and they'll be like oh I see you have like a brown horse here do you think you could do a white horse or like something like that I was like, yes I can do I can do an elephant you know like what do you want I'll draw it um but uh I don't know and then sometimes clients will come to me and they're like hey we want you to do like 
these I can't even think of something that's like like something that's just like totally out of my realm you know and I'm like but how do you envision this like, let's do it. I'm down to try but like what are you thinking right now right um, so like those those are kind of funny but they're a fun challenge right if it's something like I've never drawn before it's like oh let's figure out what that looks like coming from my hand mm-hmm. um and we do and it's fun you know yeah how I mean how do you have you ever had some I mean dealing with like the client relationship as an artist do you hold your own or are you do you try and be as adaptable what how is that relationship for you or have you ever had like an experience that was not ideal um I think like earlier in my career Mm -hmm. I would get um I would get some jobs that just like yeah they didn't really make sense for me um Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of like why would you hire me for this if you've right. seen my work um, yeah. but uh you know I would get through it and I would get it done um and then like now I feel like when clients hire me like because my body of work is like so much bigger now and it's um it's like a little more like diverse more variety in it they can sort of see like all these different like nuances in it just from looking mm-hmm. at my portfolio that like they'll hire me because they want my work and I feel like a lot of the time now like clients won't even really be that um like on me about it like they'll be kind of like yeah we want like your take on this you know we want Mm -hmm. your work and like that's you get the best work out of me if you leave it to me you know like I know how my work's gonna look its best Mm -hmm. I'm an expert on my own work you know (laughs) Um, (laughs) so if someone's like oh yeah just like you know I trust you it's like oh music tomorrow thank you let me go make magic you know Mm -hmm. um but if someone's like oh yeah I want like maybe do this and like have like if they're really specific about it I'm like but that's not how I would build a piece Mm. so it's gonna look weird you know like you don't know Mm -hmm. how I build my work no one does Mm -hmm. um so uh I definitely like the best work comes out of me if I'm given like any creative freedom um Mm -hmm. but I find most people most people give me that now I've proven myself to them. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Totally. Um, on that note, Corinne, would you like to ask Emily a question? It's being an artist fucking killing you. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just yes. Living the dream though, you know? <laughs> awesome. Thank Perfect. you so much, Emily. If people wanted Thank to find you. your work or if they wanted to get in contact, where would they do that? Uh, my Instagram, Emily May Rose. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much. If you liked today's episode, uh, if you want to let us know what you think, send us a DM, send us an email, leave us a review, let us know what you thought, check us out anywhere, go to our Patreon and subscribe. Thank you so much for everything. And we will see you next week. See you next week. Find us at Galpel Prods or the podcast on any listening platform.